Give and grow. We're talking about that. So uh, we're going to talk today about the question of how well we are growing Christ followers as a church. And uh, we might have a tendency, a thought to think about the other people in the church. You know, that guy that always sits over there and I'm not sure that I know his name. Or, you know, the fellow that sits behind me and uh, sings better than I do. Um, Yeah. Uh, Or something like that. But here's what I want you to do. Okay, everybody, let's go back to grade school, right? So let's do the, here's the church, right? Get your hands together. Come on, come on, play along. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the doors and see all the people. Now, if you don't know how to do that, ask the person next to you that went to preschool back in the day. So, you know, here's the church. And all the people is you. And the people that are not here today for whatever reason, they're the people that make up the church, right? And so when we talk this morning about how healthy our church is, and when we talk this morning about who we are in Christ and how we are growing Christ followers as individuals, but also about the business of growing Christ followers as a church, we're talking about you. If you need to, do the modern version of it. Get your electronic device and click on the selfie thing and look at your face. I don't know how many people carry mirrors anymore, but most of us have a smartphone and we can use our device to check ourselves and see who we are and who's looking at us in the mirror, as it were. As we talk through these four sermons of Giving to Grow, last week we talked about why Giving to Grow and the vision of our church and how we, as a part of that, can give money to fix some things around our building to help us grow. This week, we're talking about how we're doing, and we're going to talk specifically about our natural church development results of our church health survey, and then our values, and look at those two things and how they match up. Next week, we're going to talk specifically about our strategies in the coming year of how our church can do a better job at growing as individuals and uh, reaching out to our community around us. And that's what are we doing to grow Christ followers. And on the 14th, that's Palm Sunday, but we're calling that Celebration Sunday. That's the day we're going to join together and celebrate our fellowship as we have the Lord's Supper together in here, as we give our pledge cards and special gifts together in here in worship, and then all of us, even all the kids from the nursery and uh, everything like that, will go in the fellowship hall and enjoy a time of fellowship together while we wait for our numbers to come back. The numbers being how much was given on the 14th and how much was pledged. And then we'll know how quickly we're going to get our project done with our giving to grow. We're also on that Sunday morning going to take a hall of the children, a tour of the children's hallway. So when all the children are with us and there's nobody in the nursery to disturb, we're going to say, hey, once you get your pastry, your continental breakfast, or if the line's too long, go through the children's hallway. Look at what your money has already done there to repaint all those classrooms and do all the nice things that have happened back there. So these things are happening on the 14th. But come back to today. Come back to today in our scripture for the month, our last Sunday for this scripture of the month reminds us of who we are and what we should be doing in the scripture of the month. Is that slide not up there, Seth? Um, the Second Timothy, there you go, Second Timothy 4.2. Let's read that together. Second Timothy 4.2, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, Correct, rebuke, and encourage 
with great patience and careful instruction. 2 Timothy 4.2 That as believers in Jesus, we are to be about the business of living our lives in such a way that people, even if we don't say it, they see Jesus in us. And our lives should be a correction, a rebuke, an encouragement. And we do that with great patience and careful instruction. But then our text today, that's the one we were, uh, just saw there for a moment. That's Colossians chapter 3. And we've just got these three verses, verse 15, 16, and 17. And if you're able to stand with me in the honor of reading God's Word, if you would do that as we read our key text for today. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Let's pray together. God, we can't help but to be inspired, to be encouraged, to be challenged with these three verses of Scripture of how you call us to live a life that is of worship to you with peace and praise and good deeds and words. Father, it's our prayer that you grow this within us as individuals who make up this church body called Southview. And you do this for your glory in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. So thank you. You can be seated. I heard that extra Amen back there. I appreciate that. So this is one of these kind of sermons where we won't spend as much time on our key text because of the other things we need to accomplish. And every now and then, we need to look beyond uh, just what is in the text, but we start always with the text. And in our second point about, or our third point about our values, we'll uh, look specifically about some other scriptures there. But let's set the stage here with our first question this morning. Your first question is, as Christ followers... How should we grow? How should we grow? What should be the expectations? What should be our appearance? What should be happening when as Christ followers we are growing? The first thing you see there is that we should be growing together in unity. We should be growing together in unity. Look at verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body... You were called to peace and be thankful. If you were to read the books of the Bible that Paul wrote, starting in Romans and all the ones with the funny names there, right? Because he's writing them to places that are in Asia and Asia Minor. And he's writing them and you look in the first one or two or three verses of every one of those little letters, you're going to see a phrase most often, grace and peace to you. Many times in the very last words of that book as well, you will see a phrase like grace and peace. Paul again 
and again and again in the introduction to these letters, in the conclusion to these letters, and throughout the content and body of these entire letters emphasizes peace. Why? He's writing to churches. And he's writing to churches that have problems. Churches that have problems either from within, that they're not getting along, they're arguing about something, or somebody coming from the outside to try to bring trouble to the church as inspired by the devil himself. And so Paul again and again reminds them to have peace and calls them to have peace. And he says, as members of one body, you are called to peace. There's a unity that Paul is basing that peace on, and that is that we are members of one body. Now, we are members of a body called Southview, but the larger body is that of who? Tell me. Christ. We are part of the body of Christ, and we bear the name Christians, or we bear the name Christ followers because of who we are. And so it's not, as you've heard me say before, because of the Jesus fish on the back of your car, the cross you wear around your neck, but it is because of your commitment to Jesus, where at some point in your path, follow him, put your faith in Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior and Lord. You've committed yourself to follow him, that you are a Christ follower, and that you joined this church body to say, this is how I'm going to grow in my commitment to Christ, because this church will help grow me, and I'll help grow others in and through this church. I had to tell a story this week in Awana to the boys and girls about the most ridiculous thing I have ever done to symbolize unity with others. And it has nothing to do with anything that happened in the church walls, even though I've been a pastor for almost 30 years now. But when I was a teenager, my senior year of high school, seeking to develop unity on our football team. And yes, I did play football back in the day. I was a little more beefy here and thinner here and all that kind of stuff. Uh, But I was the smallest guy in my high school football team, weighing a whole 160 pounds back then. My senior year, some of the captains on the team came up with what they thought would be a good idea, that all of us would get flat top haircuts. That didn't seem too impressive to you. I'm sorry to say that I I, I couldn't find a picture, and maybe you don't want to see a picture of me with a flat top haircut, because it's not pretty. I wore mine more as a butch because of the shape of my head, you know, so I had a little taller in the front, and literally I used butch wax, you know, and combed it up straight, and, and like, you could balance a book up there, baby. My barber, Eddie, Eddie was this big old guy, right? And he was old school, and, and he would get so precise at cutting my flat top haircut that he would put on his reading glasses down on the tip of his nose to finish it just perfect so there were no straggly hairs. So when I walked out of there, it was a thing of beauty. <laughs> flat top, old school, butch wax, beauty. I'm sure a lot of the mothers and maybe some girlfriends and pretty much everybody else in the school looked at the guys in the football team and thought, what are they thinking? They look terrible. But you know what? We all had the haircut. And as a sign of unity, we all got the haircut. Some a little shorter, like a high and tight, like the army guys wear. Some of us taller, like mine. But everybody on the team had the haircut. I hate to say that a few guys left a little, like, thing back here. (laughs) Seriously, like a rat tail. Terrible, I know. But it was the 80s. What are you going to do, right? 
I also hate to say that it didn't improve our performance on the football field. <laughs> we might have looked like one, but we played like a bunch of yahoos, and we ended up straight our unit season my senior year. But as believers in Jesus, what do we do to demonstrate our unity? How do we live to demonstrate our unity? We seek peace. Let's move on to your second point there. And that is growing by Christ's word. Growing by Christ's word. Look at verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And look what you're going to do. As you teach and admonish one another. So that's what we do in Sunday school. That's what I do right here. And look at this. With all wisdom. So there should be some content to your teaching and admonition. It should be wise, not foolish. Then go on. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. I'm pretty excited what I'm going to get to tell you in the next point about our worship here at Southview and what we see from a survey in that. But let me just make mention that it's a joy to come together on Sunday mornings. I don't know how some people do it. I mean, um, yeah, you can do whatever you want on a Sunday morning. But there's something to me, whether I was a pastor or not, about gathering together with you and singing with you and hearing your voices behind me. Have you ever noticed during some songs I turn around and look at you? I'm not trying to creep you out. I think about doing it a lot more than I do, but there's just a joy about hearing you all singing behind me. And yeah, not all of us have the greatest voice and some of us sing off key, but who cares? We're making a joyful noise and we're doing it together. And it demonstrates our hearts to the Lord. And then there are those of you that I love you, but if you can't sing in worship, I want to ask you, is there something wrong with you? I mean, I love you and I don't mean to sound judgmental and I don't mean to hurt your feelings or something, but I sit in this place and I don't have the greatest voice and I can't help but singing. Maybe I'm a little more effusive than you are, but I like to sing. And we grow together in Christ's word. Let's look at verse 17 as we get our next point. Our next point there is that we grow to worship in everything. We grow to worship in everything. What's it say in verse 17? And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. All right, what did you do so far this morning? Um, You got up. Thank you. Did you do it in the name of Jesus? You bathed yourself or at least prepared yourself. You put on clothes. Did you do that in the name of the Lord Jesus? Hopefully you ate some breakfast so your tummy's not too grumpy and you don't have to go in there and like drink lots of creamers like our kids do uh, to fill you up. Did you do those things in the name of the Lord Jesus? Did you drive whether you're on time or especially if you weren't to church in the name of the Lord Jesus this morning? The Bible tells us that we're to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever we do. Maybe we need to memorize that verse. Maybe we need to think about how we live that verse. That we grow to worship God in everything We are the entire way we live our life. Whatever we do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 15, 16 and 17 of Colossians 3 here. Frame up for us and give us a starting point of how we are to live our life. We're to live it in unity, seeking peace. We're to live it in God's word, sharing wisdom. 
and we're to live it doing everything in Jesus' name. Let's move on to your second point on your outline. Your second point asks this question. As a church body, how healthy are we? How healthy are we? Now, NCD stands for Natural Church Development. The Natural Church Development guys are some super smart guys that have developed this simple questionnaire, 88 questions, that are 11 questions per eight different domains of church health. And what they have done in their study of over 20,000 churches around the world now have seen this, that depending on how a church scores on these domains, and you'll see them in a moment, that healthy churches that are growing numerically and growing financially and growing by planting other churches and every other measure of growth always score higher on these domains. And the lower you score, the less likely you are to grow. So it's a way to quantify the health of the church to see if a church can grow and should grow. And also then, by the 11 questions that make up each of these eight domains, teach you or point you to where you're weak and then how you might improve. If you work for a major corporation, maybe your business does things like this. You do assessments on yourself. You do assessments on the corporation and you look at how you might grow. Well, this is one of these we've applied to our church. When we talk about our church health and you look at the very top, You see, I've written in red there, superimposed, because they don't do it for you anymore. All the red numbers are where we were in 2017, in November 2017, when we took this survey, 30 people from our church congregation, um, equal number of men and women, and about five per age group all the way up every 10 years. And then the blue numbers are the plus or minus from 2017 to 2018, just to make it easy for you, right? And if any of you want to receive this entire survey, just email me, Aaron at southviewbaptist.org. I'll send it to you, and you can read every one of these things, and uh, you can be part of the solution with us. Our ministry leadership team, our church council, and then, of course, everybody who came to our last servants meeting in February have already looked at this, but maybe you're not part of one of those groups or weren't there, and we'd be happy to share these results with you. But you look at where we are at. Over on the far right, you see that our average just improved three points. Just three points. But we're just over the dash line in the middle, 50%. So we were just below it before, right on the verge of healthy. Do you have the ability to grow or not? And yes, we do. And yes, we are. But then you notice those broad categories, right? Empowering leadership on the left. We went up six points in one year. Well, empowering leadership talks about uh, that our leaders enjoy their work, that our leaders are good at delegating, that they're uh, teaching and those sort of things. And there are 11 questions that make that one up. Now, interestingly enough, gift-based ministry that had scored 62 previously went down seven points. Why would that be? Well, we didn't emphasize it, frankly. Whereas in the past, we emphasized what are your spiritual gifts and are you using them and fulfilling Uh, those. So that can be an easy fix for us. Our passionate spirituality, that has more to do with who you are as an individual in Christ. And that one only went up one point. Effective structures went, I I have a negative four there. It went up plus uh, four. So it went up plus four. Excuse my error there. 
And effective structures is that we are structured in order to grow and that you all understand how our church is structured and how things work together. Now look at inspiring worship services, plus 13. We'll break that one down more a little bit. And then look at the one that's kind of standing out because it's colored darker gray, holistic small groups. Holistic small groups is our Sunday school. That's our primary small group for adults and for children. Yes, we have Awana. Yes, we have some Bible studies that meet otherwise. But we told everybody to answer those questions in reference to their Sunday school class. And we went up nine points, you see, our second biggest gainer, but still our lowest out of all of our domains. Need-oriented evangelism. We went down three points Uh, A couple things we can explain about that. That's that we know how to share the gospel and we actively share the gospel, but we know others in our church that do in our church as a whole. Loving relationships, we actually went down one. Kind of makes me sad. That's about how we are invested with one another and spend time with one another. So let's get to our first point there. Our first point is that our greatest improvement was inspiring worship. Our greatest improvement was inspiring worship. And let me give you some reasons for why inspiring worship went up. Um, Of the 11 questions that were about worship, four out of our top five highest scores were from inspiring worship. Four out of our top five of all 88 questions, excuse me, were about inspiring worship. The top one was that the music and worship helps me worship God. The second one was, I can easily explain why I come to worship. So it's about anticipation for worship. The third uh, highest one was, I always look forward to the worship service. And then there was another one that was number four of our highest ever. And then the fifth was, I uh, feel worship, uh, the worship service has a positive influence on me. When I look at those, I look at all you, and I'm thankful. But I also look at Miss Myra. She is not just a song leader with a guitar. I don't know about you, but I feel like she bears the moniker worship leader. That she is leading us in worship with music, but in prayer and in the way the lyrics of those songs set us up to think about God. And when we can see such dramatic improvement from one year to the next where you all said, I look forward to worship. Worship inspires me. Worship challenges me. And those domains that were more specifically about Myra's job were the ones that went up the most. I will be thankful to tell you that the ones that talk about the sermon went up some too, but not as dramatically as the ones about music and the ones about how you feel about our worship service. I mean, I was blown away. I got those results and I was like, yes, Myra, I wanted to give her the biggest high five ever. But, you know, I figured that might be a little awkward. So I tried to hold it back a little bit. But worship and how that went up. I'm so very thankful to see the improvements in inspiring worship. Well, let's look at our next point, though. Our next point is our greatest challenge is holistic small groups survey are small groups. You get by the idea that these guys that made this survey are implying with the word holistic to modify a small group that the the small group ought to be about your entire life that addresses who you are spiritually, emotionally, uh, mentally, uh, and, and everything in together. When we look at our top 10 lowest, or maybe our top 10 lowest or top low lowest scores, Five of those were from holistic small groups. The lowest score out of all 88 questions on the survey, by average from 30 people, was that our small group actively seeks to multiply itself. 
Now, that one has improved because you all know that we are wanting to create new classes, but it's still the lowest. The second lowest is in my small group, we trust one another. That one concerned me. It scored 38 on average. It says to us as leaders that we aren't doing the sort of things in our Sunday school class where people know that they can trust one another and share their life with one another. The next one is about relevance. It says, my small group helps me with my challenges of life. And uh, the next one right after that, my small group helps me grow spiritually. Those are about how relevant the content you're learning is to apply to your life. Now, friends, please know that these results about holistic small groups have been shared with your Sunday school teachers. Your Sunday school teachers meet, um, uh, let me see, eight out of every 12 months now, either in a training event or a workshop event, a one-hour event or a two-hour event, where they're, uh, based on the results of this uh, survey, are being challenged by Pastor David and by one another. And David's framing it all up and doing a masterful job to pick topics to address every one of these. So your teachers are regularly being challenged to improve the things that have had us with the lowest score on holistic small groups. We're seeing improvement there, but it's still our lowest overall. So let's move ahead to your next one. Our strategies to improve. Now that's our 20 by 20 plan. The 20 by 20 plan, you can use an X if you want to multiply it, but here's what I'm talking about. I have this crazy idea that I'm going to introduce to you next week. And I don't know what's crazier for us to imagine that in the next year's time or so, we might be able to raise $140,000 to $180,000 more than we already do for giving to grow to make renovations to our bathrooms, our kitchen, and our sanctuary. Or if it's crazier for the 20 by 20 plan, that by next June, we'd see 20% more people in this worship service and 20% more people in our Sunday school classes and small group than we do right now. Now, you might look around and say, is there space for 20% more people? Yes, there is. Is there space in there? We can make it. But as I sought God in response to our NCD survey results, and with everything that the church council had challenged me to think about, and our ministry leadership team and our ministerial staff had challenged me to think about, it became clear to me that there are some things that we can do that some of them are not too hard. But being a little more intentional, a little more thoughtful, with a little more accountability, so that's going to be pretty much your entire sermon next week is talking about that. We're going to talk specifically about adult Sunday school and small groups. We're going to talk about connecting with one another and uh, folks that are prospects. We're going to talk about invitations. Our goal is to make our church have a culture of invitation, that inviting people is just who we are. And churches that invite people are growing churches. We're going to talk about outreach and McPhee. Some of us are already at McPhee Elementary School as a way to minister to our community. We want to have 30 Southview members by August regularly volunteering every week at McPhee Elementary to make a difference in the lives of those children and that community. We're going to talk about um, evangelism. We're going to talk about our capital improvements and about prayer. All those things we'll talk about more next week. So that's the NCD survey. Email me if you want the entire thing, Aaron at SouthviewBaptist.org. But why do we do things like that? To see how we're doing. I love that old line from Friends. You know Joey Tribbiani? 
how you doing, right? How are we doing? How are we really doing when we look across the board at our church when 30 different people every year answer a survey that's scientific on 88 different questions about how we're doing and we can track these things and see how we've improved or lost ground from year to year and we can use that to help us get healthier from year to year. So let's move on to your third major point. Your third major point is that as Southview, how well do we live our values? So here's your question. Can you see values? Can you see values in somebody or something, an organization? Well, you can see them on the wall, right? You can see them on the website. You can see them on the pamphlet. But so many times, those are what we would call aspirational values. Those are the ones some really well-meaning people sat around in a room and spent a lot of time talking about who they wanted their organization to be. And so they use words to visualize that, their vision, their purpose, their mission, their values that they're going to live by. But the difference is the actual values. How do you actually do this? So I want to review quickly our five values of our church. And so the first value of our church is Bible engagement. And so for you personally, remember that you are the people in the church. You have to ask yourself, how often do I read or hear the Bible? Because it is Bible engagement. It's whether you're reading it or whether you're listening to it. You say, oh, Pastor Aaron, my life's so busy, I don't have time to read the Bible. Can you listen to it? Is there a time when you're alone in the car that you can play the Bible from the app on your phone? Is there a time when you're exercising that you can listen instead of to music, the Bible? Can you engage Scripture? We've got another slide there, I think, Seth. That Here's our statement on Bible engagement. Look, believing in the total inerrancy and absolute sufficiency and life-changing power of God's Word, we will regularly, doesn't say daily, don't feel bad if you don't get to it daily, but regularly engage the Bible personally. On your own, yes, you should engage the Bible in church. If I don't preach a sermon that has the Bible in it, we got a problem. Yes, you should talk about the Bible with friends and family, but personally engaging the Bible through group and through group study. God's Word is foundational to all we are and do. When you look at those psalms, those psalms are about God's Word guiding us and not God's Word giving us uh, you know, direction. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, you remember that one. That was just a few weeks ago in a sermon that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for correcting, rebuking, teaching, and training in righteousness so that the person of God may be absolutely, positively, thoroughly equipped for every good work God wants you to do. So it all starts with the Bible. So how are you doing engaging God's Word? The second value for Southview is a worshipful lifestyle. What does my life worship? If we were to look at how you spend your time, look at how you spend your money, look at where your thoughts are, your daydreams are, your hopes, wishes, and plans, what would that show us? What does your life symbolize? That one comes from our scripture today. So Seth will go ahead and show us that Next slide, our uh, worshipful lifestyle statement. Knowing that worship is more than what we do together on Sunday morning. Did you hear that? We call this a worship service. We might even call this a worship center or a sanctuary. But this is not worship alone. 
It is how we live daily in submission to God. And we pray at all times and we serve Him. And a constant attitude of worship leads to personal humility. There ought to be a difference because you are worshipful. The scripture's there, John 4, 23. That's when the Samaritan woman said, where do I worship? And Jesus says, it's not a matter of you worship on this mountain or that mountain. It's your heart, your spirit and truth, how you worship. 1 Peter 4, 11, it says, in your words and in your deeds, worship. Colossians 3, 15 through 17. We read that earlier today and talked about that. Whatever we do is worship. Philippians 2, 11 through, or 1 through 11 is about Jesus and his kenosis, his emptying himself, being humble as an act of worship to God and how we should follow his example. Worship. The third point is our intentional relationships. Who am I pursuing for Jesus? Who am I pursuing for Jesus? That you should be in relationships that are intentional. Taking time to invest in others in order that you might share the gospel with them. How many times have you met somebody and the first time you shared the gospel, they said, yes, I want that. And they trusted Christ to become a Christian. Occasionally it happens. But most often it's a process where they have questions and where they have struggles and they have concerns. And it may take months, even years, even decades that you're sharing Jesus with people. So that's why we've got to be intentional about it. Look at our statement for that one. It says that we're seeking more than shallow acquaintances. This needs to get beyond. I'm fine. How are you? We exercise sacrificial love by giving ourselves to others in meaningful relationships for mutual Christ-like growth so that they grow as Christ, like Christ even if they're not yet a Christian. Their growth can be that way. And we belong to God and one another as a church family that we should care for one another. There should never be one of us that ever feels that there's not a person in this congregation we can't talk to. We can't ask for assistance. We can't go to when we have a problem. If you feel that way about our church family, please talk to me. We need to connect you with somebody. We need to pray that you would be connected. Maybe it's that you need to open yourself. Maybe it's that somebody else needs to open themselves. But we can solve that problem. And we need to do it together in intentional relationships. Let's move on to our fourth one of our values is gifted service. How am I serving as gifted. You've all got spiritual gifts. We've got natural talents. We've got abilities. We've got spiritual gifts. But how am I serving as gifted? Look at your statement there. Your statement is recognizing that God has given each of us unique talents, abilities, and spiritual gifts. We serve individually and together for the glory of God. We always function better together as a body of Christ. My sermon series starting Easter Sunday morning is called Better Together. I've been talking about it for years. We're going to preach a sermon series about it. That when we come together, we complement one another. We fill each other's gaps and we can do things together that we can never do alone. Could any of you on your own ever portray the life of Christ like this? If one of you is a gifted actor and can stand up here and do some dramatic monologue like Jesus, maybe so. But all the other parts of it, we do together, right? Gifted service. Let's move on to our fifth one. Is gospel sharing. How often do I share the good news? Do you, with your mouth, make a verbal witness of the good news? Gospel sharing. That statement... Rejoicing in our personal relationship with God, we will share the good news of Jesus with others and serve them in his name. 
that God's desire is that all people would come to a saving relationship with Him. You know, Matthew 8, uh, 28, 18 through 20 is the Great Commission. Acts 1, 8 tells us that God's with us from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth that we're to share the good news. 2 Peter 3, 9 and 10 says, God's not slow in keeping His promises. His Son understands slowness to be because He wants everyone to come to saving faith in Him. Gospel sharing. It's a value for us. How are you living it? We'll talk more about these in our Better Together sermon series, but I had to hit them today to challenge us to think about our church health and our health as individuals. Are we engaging the Bible? Are we worshiping in everything we do? Are we intentional in our relationships? Are we serving as we're gifted? And are we sharing the gospel daily? We've got one final question this morning, and it's by way of conclusion. As a church body, what is a hallmark of church health? Now, considering the contents of the sermon, you could say, now, Pastor Aaron, you just told us there's this survey with eight major domains and 88 questions, and it tells us about our church health. But what would you say from your life and experience, and I want you to just say it out loud in just a second, is a hallmark of church health. There are a variety of answers, but what would you say? Somebody, give me an answer out loud. New believers. What's that? New believers. New believers. So people are coming to faith in Christ means that church is healthy. Thank you, Miss Kay. Somebody else? Love for one another. Thank you, Jacob. Someone else? Unity. Unity. Thank you. Yeah. Maturity. maturity. There should be some maturity as believers in Jesus. The way we live now is different than we did a few years ago. Anybody else? Because you're all waiting for a well, there's an answer to this, right? This is just one of them, but this is in the passage of Scripture that we read today. Put your eyes back on Colossians 3. Colossians 3, 15, 16, and 17. Did you notice the one thing that all three of those verses have in common? Let me read it in such a way that you can clearly hear it. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of a one body you were called to peace and be thankful. When you have peace, when you have unity, you should be thankful for that. Look at verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. That's thankfulness. Gratitude. Look at verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. As a church body, one of our hallmarks of healthiness should be our thankfulness. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for Jesus. And I'm thankful for what God is doing among us. Let's pray together. Our Father, it's been so good to be challenged today of who we are and who you want us to be. What our values are actually and what they are becoming even more like what we've inspired and envisioned, that we would be people that give ourselves to you. So God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that you are the one that lead us to peace and unity. We thank you, Father, that you call us together to worship. You call us together to thankfulness. So, Father, now as we sing, we ask as always, 
if there's anyone here who needs to trust Christ as their Savior, they'd make that declaration today. Anyone here who needs to join this church body, they'd make that commitment today. Anyone that needs to surrender their life to you, they'd make that commitment today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.